Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. And today is episode 55, the official one year in review anniversary episode. Wow, we made it this far. I can't believe it, Lisa. <laughs> Woohoo! So crazy. It feels like longer, but also shorter. Yes, I hear you. It does feel like it's been a lot of work to get here, but at the same time, a flash in the pan. So many great conversations, so many great guests, great topics. And what we're doing with this episode actually is bringing the 10 best episodes that we were able to produce with all with amazing guests. Actually, they're all guest episodes from the year official year one, 2020, 2019. Uh, let's call that 2019, 2020, our first year in business at uh, the Career Builders podcast. So We've chosen the top 10 episodes based off of um, their download total. So it's really as decided by our listeners. And we will play those in just a moment. But first, thank, we just want to thank all of the amazing people, honestly, that we spoke to throughout the year. Uh, whether you're in this um, episode with us or not, you were just a huge part of a really important project for us. And hopefully for a lot of the dear listeners that tuned in, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, it's been absolutely incredible. And we also want to thank all of the people who have been listening and sharing and spreading the word about our podcast. This would not be possible without all of you spreading the word and pitching in. And uh, we're just really excited to be starting year two. Yeah. And we have some big plans already coming down the pipe for year two. But before we get to them, I mean, we will have one. The official, I guess, one year anniversary episode is episode 56 if you kind of go back to our October 30th launch day in uh, 2019. So we will have a special episode coming out next week. Uh, we're very excited about that. But to look back on year one, this is an episode that's all about what we did uh, with you along the way, and we are very excited about it. So why don't we get started? The way we've done this, uh, Lisa and I divided up our top 10. We dove back into these episodes, and uh, I'm actually going to go. We'll go with Lisa here to start us off. All right, so we're starting with episode, well, the, the 10th top episode, mm -hmm. which is episode 18, Crafting a Killer Resume with Adrian Tom. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the challenges that people face <laughs> when it comes to resumes. What do you see out there? Uh, I mean, the list is long. <laughs> you can imagine <laughs> after all these years working with resumes. But if I was to think about, you know, just two things, Top of the list for me, one of the biggest challenges, I think, or mistakes almost that people make is they write the resume very task-based. So the resume reads more like a job description. It's almost like people have just barfed out their responsibilities on a piece of paper and they're trying to just tell the employer, these are all the things that I've done in every past work position. But again, it doesn't really say a lot about you as an individual, right? Nor does it demonstrate that value or that return on investment that employers are looking for. So instead, you know, more people need to write results-based focused. Um, so yeah, you want to give a job overview of each position you've held, but you want to keep that, you know, pretty short and sweet. Instead, you want to share more specific results and achievements from throughout your career that, you know, allow the reader to better know who you are and your offerings um, in relation to some of those achievements and accomplishments mm -hmm. that you've had. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that I think, you know, I see regularly that, is a big mistake that people are making with resumes is they're not customizing them um, for each application. And 
there is just really no way that one single stagnant resume file can possibly address the needs of all sorts of different applications and job openings, you know, even if they are related to the same job focus. You really want to address the needs of each separate audience and employer every time you go to apply and ensure that you're only sharing details related to that role. So I have a lot of people give me pushback on these two items, right? Mm -hmm. They say, well, Adrian, you know, it's a lot of work to um, A, come up with all of that information, you know, identify those results, and B, it's a lot of work to customize every time I apply for a job. But I say to them, you know, it's just like riding a bike. And, you know, once you get it, it gets easier every time, and you're going to see um, a lot better results from doing it. Amazing. There are very few people that I've come across on the internet, and I've met a lot of really cool career professionals over the last year, and I'm sure you have as well, Lisa, who are as dedicated and as focused to this uh, very unusual but very important element to career development. Adrian Tom is just such a pro when it comes to this and speaks to some really important points, like the idea of quality over quantity Mm -hmm. as being the starting point in this career transition uh, process that people are going through when you're looking for a job, there's some, so many ineffective ways of doing it. And I love how she just boiled it down into how to get really clear on what the important things are. Yeah. And I think this was a really great one to start with too, because when you're going into your job search, your resume really is the foundation for the rest of your job search. So being able to really narrow in on what's going to work for you and what's going to make a difference in your job search is a really great place to start. Totally. Love it. Yeah, we're going to jump to a very different topic, actually, for episode uh, or the top, the ninth best episode, according to our listeners, uh, was episode 36, featuring Rosie McCarthy on getting started with side hustles. And let's just tune in to what she said from across the pond. So according to you, why even have a side hustle in the first place? Mm-hmm. I find this question so hard because there are so many reasons and I don't want to speak for about like, you know, two hours on it, but (laughs) I guess the main one is um, I love the feeling of having that autonomy and ownership over something. It's yours and you're, you're free without that, you know, without that manager watching or whatever it is, but you're free to test things and try things and fail and learn from it. And it's just a really cool space to learn and play. Um, You know, as a, as a full-time HR professional on the side with my YouTube channel, I was learning about digital marketing, SEO, video editing, like so many things that I've never had the chance to learn within my nine to five. So Mm -hmm. um, that was fantastic. Of course, there's the financial aspect as well. With the extra cash coming in from my YouTube channel, I was able to pay off my student loan twice as fast. I was traveling throughout Europe. um, So that was really nice, like having that supplemental income. And of course, you know, that that feeling when I when I eventually had built it up, I was at about 100,000 subscribers when I left to come back to New Zealand. Um, I knew that, yes, I knew I wanted to start up my career coaching thing, but I had an option. And if I wanted to, I could have gone all in and gone full time on that YouTube channel. So when life changes and I don't know, you get made redundant or you want to move overseas or whatever it is, something happens, your family moves, you have an option, which is just a really good feeling, I think. Yeah, that's a great point that you you don't even think about when it comes to a side hustle. A lot of people think, oh, it's just extra money, but having that security is also huge. Mm, yeah, and the way you're able to kind of build up your talent stack and build mm-hmm. up those skills, you're, you're really future-proofing yourself either, yeah, because you can pivot and go all in, 
or it will tide you over while you're job hunting or because it just looks great on your CV or your LinkedIn profile. Um, you know, if you are ever unemployed that you had your own thing going on and you're still learning and growing and developing and all of that good stuff. It's, I, I'm finding it difficult to find a reason not to have a side hustle. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> when you actually put it that way, that's probably like in terms of the skill stack and is that how you said mm. it? Cause that's a great term. Um, but I took a job three months ago and now that I think about it, the thing that was on my CV that was probably most relevant to my current employer might be the fact that I'm doing this career coaching on the side that mm. that might be it actually. So I, I totally resonate with what you've just said there in terms of just, even if you're not making tons of money, let's say you're doing something that's going to benefit you in other parts of your life for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So Rosie, really cool. Our first guest from New Zealand and hopefully not our last. She has an amazing energy and really just brought to life that whole concept around side hustling, which I don't think is going away anytime soon, honestly. Mm -hmm. I would agree. It's something that's really been increasing from what I've seen with my clients and just with friends in general, people who are looking for other ways of building income and other ways of building their skill sets as well, just like she said. Mm -hmm. Cool. Awesome. All right. So the next one, number eight, is episode 42, which is Higher, Higher Ed with Eric James Stevens. Where have you gone for support in overcoming some of these challenges? Um, I, I wanted to go to my academic network. Like, I'm getting kind of choked up right now. Like, that, that's where I wanted to go. And I wanted to rely and to, to be this. And all I got was, I'm so sorry. Like, this sucks. Which, you know, what, what can they say? Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I wanted, um, that's why I, I started this whole initiative is because I wanted people to be able to do something to help. To not just say, that sucks, I'm sorry. No, here's, that sucks, let me endorse you for mm -hmm. some skills. Like, let me write you a recommendation authentically. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, I, that's where I wanted to go and I couldn't find it. And that's when I turned into, um, I, I was like, okay, I was applying to 150 jobs um, over like three weeks. I had like one interview that didn't go well. And I was like, I need to reassess my relationship with um, this LinkedIn platform. Um, and since then, I cannot believe the amount of support and love like genuine love that people have put out. Um, when last week, um, yeah, last week when we found out my wife was laid off, I had four people, complete strangers, reach out to me and offer help. Hmm. Um, That's amazing. And it is amazing. I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. And what is harder is to pair that with the apathy mm -hmm. of my academic community um, is sad. Um, and that's like, I, I want people, like that's why I wanna share my story. Um, it's because, I don't know, like, I think people need support mm -hmm. um, in a very real way, right? And it sounds like this is something that will give hope to a lot of people who are 
in a similar spot to you who might be facing that and not know where to go for support. So I think that that's really great for people to hear that you were able to find support outside of your current network. Yeah, because they're, um, even if the people, and this is my message to anybody who's facing um, any hardship right now, um, is that if you feel like there's nobody in your immediate sphere that really just gives a shit, um, that there are people that do, that do care. Um, and they can be complete strangers. So I love this snippet and I love this episode for Eric's raw emotion and mm -hmm. relatability. I think that so many people can appreciate where he's coming from. And I think it's such a great message too, to show people that your network and your community can come from anywhere. Yeah, I get emotional just listening to that snippet. Um, it, it's pretty cool. A lot of our guests that have come on this show, it's not their first time doing this kind of thing. They're kind of used to spreading a message. And Eric was at the beginning of an important um, line in the sand that he was drawing. And it was the first time for him to really come out and, and talk about this. And yeah, I, I appreciated that amazing raw authenticity. And I just hope that inspires other people to go out and speak their voice into the world and and make stuff happen because he he's taken that and really run with that so i'm it was such a pleasure to be able to help him with that and be present in that moment for that conversation agreed moving on up to the seventh episode of year one i like to say that everyone should hear this episode if you are interested in making more money at all in your life it's about the art of salary negotiation with our friend josh duty episode 46 here it is yeah, it really is. And I, I mean, I think I think you can hear in the way that I talk about this, that I see this as a collaboration. It's mm -hmm. a win win for it's it's a positive sum game, right? You're not taking money from one person and moving to another, you're finding the right price in a marketplace, which is a different mm -hmm. sort of economic concept. But there's a price which is the maximum the company is willing to pay. And there's a price which is sort of the minimum that you're willing to accept. And, and somewhere in there is a price where you're both happy to make this deal. And what you don't want um, is to sort of accidentally make a deal that you're really not happy with or that isn't acceptable to you because you um, didn't negotiate or you just didn't know what your options were or whatever. And that can be bad for both parties. Totally. So I, I like the way that you said it, like the, the solution to the resentment is a good negotiation up front. Everybody benefits from that because the person makes an educated, informed decision about accepting the best possible version of the offer. And the employer knows that they worked with the person to find that kind of equilibrium price that was the good price for them on this market to get them to do this job. And everybody can feel like I gave a little bit, I got a little bit, and now we've made an agreement that we're both happy with after a discussion. And now we can move forward and actually do the work that we're trying to fill this role to do. Who do you think, I mean, I think you've kind of alluded to this as well, but who should be negotiating salary? My answer to that is everybody. Um, and this, this goes sort of from, from people asking, you know, it's my first job out of school or my first job, you know, maybe even like during college or something like that, or, or, or as a high schooler, should I negotiate? And the answer is yes, for the reasons that I mentioned earlier, there might be room to negotiate. So you should negotiate. And if you do it tactfully, so there's a big difference between collaborating, like I've said the word collaboration probably 10 times already in our conversation. Um, there's a difference between collaborating and sort of demanding and putting ultimatums out there and making outrageous demands and, you know, pounding your fist on the desk and saying, I'm going to walk if you don't give me this, that's not a good negotiation. So if you do that, there could be adverse 
effects. But if you do a nice collaborative negotiation, there might be room to negotiate and maybe they will be amenable to negotiating and you can't find that out unless you try. So everyone should negotiate is, is my philosophy. And I think it's the right philosophy because you never know what's available out there. And if you do it correctly, the, the most negative outcome is typically something like the company just stonewalls and says, no, we made your, our best offer up front. And now you've tested that as well. So they're not just saying, hey, here's our best offer, take it or leave it. They're saying, here's our best offer. You say, can you do better? They say, no, that was our best offer. And now you know that they were serious about that. Um, and so I think that everyone should negotiate to make sure that you have that kind of psychological piece that we talked mm -hmm. about earlier and mm -hmm. to make sure that you're just compensated the most you can be compensated for the work that you're going to do that's going to be, you know, the majority of the hours of your, your waking life during the week working. You want to make sure that you're being compensated as well as you can for that work. That was a real mind shift of an episode for me. I was a little bit of a stranger to the art of salary negotiation before that episode recording and to to shift the conversation from dollars and cents, which is obviously a part of it, it's in the title, but to understand the psychological reasons for going in and negotiating and what the benefits of those are. And then honestly, I've been able to transfer that, what we've learned from that one episode into other areas of my life. I used it to negotiate a mortgage, honestly. So it's, it's highly transferable. I highly recommend that one. It's an amazing episode. Agreed. and. It is such a big mindset shift for everybody. Well, maybe not for everybody, but for a lot of people who are dealing with salary negotiations, because you worry so much about what's going to happen if I try to push back. And so it's so great in that clip that he was so clear about the fact that the company, you know, the worst that's going to happen is they're going to stonewall you and yeah. you're just going to be in the same place you were before. So again, agree. Anybody should go and listen to this episode. I pass it on to all of my clients and I think it's so, so helpful. Totally. All right. So number six is episode 32, which is leveraging LinkedIn profiles, presence, and personal branding with Anna Lakatova. For people who are just starting out on LinkedIn and they'd like to build a stronger presence on the platform, what would you say to them? Well, the number one thing that I would say is avoid, um, you know, indicating your job searching or your job availability or stuff like, you know, hashtag O&O, open to new opportunities. And I know that there probably will be a lot of people who would disagree with me on that, but I strongly believe that people are not going to hire you or want to, you know, reach out to you just because you are available they will want to reach out to you because of what you know and what you can do. So you have limited space on your LinkedIn profile. It's, you know, sometimes it's a little bit more, sometimes it's a little bit less space depending on the section, but it's still limited. So use it wisely and don't waste it on saying things like I am looking for a new opportunity or I'm available to start or stuff like that. The other thing is when it comes to, you know, building LinkedIn presence and wanting to get noticed on LinkedIn, you have to think of it as a long-term investment. So it's not like today I wrote a post, I clicked publish, tomorrow I'm going to get three job offers. No, it doesn't work that way. And the return on your investment will always, always, always be proportional to what you've invested. So if you put in five minutes of your time thinking about your about section or your, the way your profile looks in general, 
don't be surprised that there will be no one else willing to spend more than five minutes looking at it and thinking about what you can bring to the table. So it's about what you can put in and then you can expect, you know, to get value out of it. And I guess the, like the third and kind of the biggest lesson that I've learned, which was not a very easy thing to learn, by the way, um, is that consistency will always beat intensity when it comes to creating visibility on LinkedIn. So mm. you might think that, okay, so today I have my entire evening dedicated to hard LinkedIn rebranding work. Great. You've got through it and then you're like, Phew, okay, I'm done. So now I'm not going to appear on LinkedIn for one month because I've had enough. That's, that's not going to get you anywhere. It's much better to do it in small chunks or in small steps, but very, very regularly. So you can start with as little as five or 10 minutes a day. And I can assure anyone who is listening, you do have five to 10 minutes a day. When you're having a cup of coffee, when you're in, in, you know, in transit somewhere, uh, in, I mean, in public transport, when you are about to go to sleep or when you wake up, you have those five to 10 minutes or you can borrow them from your Facebook and Instagram activity. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those social platforms will not mind that you and will not get jealous. Um, so, you know, you have that time. But and then once you create a habit out of it, it will become second nature. Like to me, I wake up, first thing I do, I go on LinkedIn. And it doesn't mean I'm boring. It means that, you know, I, it excites me and it, I, I want to go there. I want to do something on that platform. And I know that it's going to get me somewhere, wherever that is. And I might not always know exactly where that is. So remember, smaller, consistent, regular steps will get you so much further than one-off, big, chunk of work that you feel so great about, you know, the next day, but then nobody will ever see it and nobody will create again, create that association between who you are and what you do. And they will not remember you from just one appearance on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Anna dropping truth bombs. Yeah. I love her just very matter of fact way of looking at LinkedIn and job searching and career development in general. There's something about it. That's a great episode. It's very much like a, a one episode clinic on how to get going on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's really something that she's very passionate about. Um, huge, huge takeaways and really a lot for someone who's struggling with LinkedIn right now. Yeah. And it's a really great episode too, for anybody who wants to improve on their LinkedIn presence, their profile, pretty much everything is in there. So if that's something that you're working on right now, definitely go back and check that one out. Yeah. Her friend and business partner in the job search secret weapon game. Check that. Check out that company. Um, Adrian Tom is also a part of that collective, along with Virginia Franco, another one of our past guests. Uh, Sarah Johnston was our guest on episode 26. This was our fifth most downloaded episode of year one, and it's called "Breaking Through in a Tough Economy." I graduated college right at the recession. And my job prospects were really bleak. I was a top performer as a college student. I was president of one of the largest clubs at one of the largest state universities and thought that because I was a hard worker, because I was a high performer and a high achiever, I would get a good job. And that didn't happen for me. And it didn't happen for a lot of my friends because the economy just didn't have the opportunities available. 
And I remember as a 21 year old, looking at what my options were in front of me and just seeing the short vision of my future and feeling really hopeless and feeling like this is it. My life is, is, is this job and this is the job I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I felt like I worked so hard for nothing and that my future was stripped from me. And I remember feeling so angry and upset with my circumstances. And now that I've had some space between that experience and that time, I look at these students who are about to graduate, the students from the class of 2020, and their experience is going to be like mine, but probably harder. I mean, mm -hmm. they're not even going to get to have a graduation ceremony. That's something yeah. that wasn't strict for me. You know, they're going to, they're not going to get to have their senior sorority banquet or their fraternity beach party or all those things that I got to have. These class of 2020 students aren't going to get to have these new graduates, new early career professionals aren't going to get to have, and they're going to feel really down. But 10 years later, 15 years later, I've had a good career. And I've had a really rewarding career. And, and that short time of hardness doesn't last forever. And I look at my friends, you know, a lot of them were, went to law school and finished law school during 2008 and had to wait tables. I had friends that were in construction, could not get any work. And, and some of them were just the brightest of the bright. And, you know, they were temping. I mean, it was, it was so bad. We would go to bars and, and have drinks together after work and just swap stories. But, but now time is like their economy's picked up, jobs have picked up and they're, they're in really great situations. I hear you. I mean, this too shall pass. I don't know where that expression comes from. I've heard it's quite old, mm -hmm. but it will pass these. We don't know when it's going to end the, or how this new normal is going to kind of solidify itself, but I'm with you. Uh, this, it, it is tough to feel like we're in this moment trying to figure out what to do and what the future might look like, but all we have is the present, right? You're absolutely right. And, and I think that the important thing is to remember the long view and to remember that this is just a piece of a long career journey and just a piece of a long life. And you may not, it may not go the way that you thought it was going to go in 2020, but that doesn't mean that in 2030 or even 2025, it, you may not be, you may be rocking along and kicking along. And oh, yeah. I'll tell you, I took a job at 21 that I hated. It was awful. It was like, I cried almost every night and I'm not even a crier, but I, I now look back on that experience and it gave me a lot of grit and a lot of focus and determination. And I use that now as an entrepreneur. And that experience is probably one of the most valuable experiences that I've had in my career. It's also amazing to hear those words of hope for people who are starting to look at this next phase. You know, we're, we're starting to feel the effects, but I'm, I'm not sure that we really fully understand the impact that this is all going to have. So it's really nice to be hearing these words of hope now ahead of really getting into that place. So thank you. Pretty amazing. We recorded that with Sarah back at the very beginning of the onset of COVID measures kind of setting in in North America in, uh, in March. 
And you can see why Sarah is so good at what she does. She has just amazing empathy for job seekers. And that was an episode really kind of the message of it was really spearheaded by her. She really wanted to bring that to the table and talk right to the folks coming out of school. It's going to be tough and it has been tough and it, and it will be challenging for some time, but you can see that there is value in this difficulty. Absolutely. And it's so great to hear how her career has thrived over the last 15 years. And like mm-hmm. something that even though it, it doesn't seem to be temporary right now, it will be temporary eventually. And at that point, you know, when in, the economy does start to come back and things really pick up, we will see everybody thriving again. And it's so great to hear her speaking about that. Absolutely. All right. So the next one is the fourth episode in our top 10 and it's episode 33, which is networking to get work with Diana YK Chan. You've got a couple of other, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have more than a couple, but you have um, two really interesting acronyms that I would love for you to just kind of quickly give us a rundown on because I thought they were incredibly valuable when I discovered them. ABC and connect. Would you be able to kind of walk us through those? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking that. So my ABC rule of networking is always be connecting, right? In sales is always be closing, Mm -hmm. but in networking is always be connecting anytime, anywhere, as you never know when an opportunity come your way. And in order to do that, you know, the philosophy is, is that you want to always show up as your best self, because when you show up as your most best self and most authentic self, that's when I believe magic happens. So as an example, I love to tell the stories here it was that many years ago, um, I went to a wedding and this new grad was a, the MC at, at the wedding. And she was just full of her own, like great energy, great enthusiasm. She got the entire crowd going there. And I just loved it. Like she had this charisma, this captivating mm-hmm. like energy there. And I just saw potential in her and I referred her for an opportunity for a new grad opportunity. And that's how she got her full-time job. And so this is a great example, always be connecting in terms of just really being out there, putting your best self out there um, to connect. And then the connect formula, the connect formula is all about um, how to really network and build trust. So I'll share with you the acronym. The C is about being charismatic. O is having an open mind. So when we have an open mind, that's when we um, have like more meaningful conversations as well. Uh, N is about being naturally curious, right? Um, in terms of asking powerful questions. The next N is being nice. You know, people want to talk to people who are nice. Uh, the next one is the E is to be enthusiastic, right? Mm-hmm. But people want to talk to people who are engaging, interesting as well, and energetic. Uh, the next C is about being clear, concise, and compelling with your communications. So it is so important to get to the point with your messaging. Um, sometimes I find now through my own experience in as a speaker in events, a lot of times people may get um, too much into their story and it's important to really get to the point with the messaging there. And the last one is a T, which is all about building trust. And I would say this is the number one rule is you got to build trust and rapport in order for others to help you in order to gain uh, referrals there. She just does such a great job of concisely laying out exactly what you need to do to be successful as a networker. And it, she makes it so easy. It, it sounds so effortless and it really is when you use her methodology. 
so effortless. If you've ever been around Diana or you've heard her speak, there is something that's really just so accessible to the way that she approaches this. And I think that's kind of what she inspires a lot of other people, a lot of other job seekers, career developers to do is to, to make this a fun process, put your natural personality into it, let it shine. Uh, that's really one of the big keys to networking successfully. And that episode um, comes right after our episode with Anna Lakatova on LinkedIn. Both episodes to me were really kind of like one-shot clinics on their respective topics. So if networking is the kind of thing that you're struggling with right now, tune in to episode 33. Cool. So we've had seven amazing episodes so far. And what's interesting to note is while a lot of our guests that are, are being mentioned right now come as career development professionals, two of the top three episodes that we have um, were actually brought to us by people who are outside of the career development space, strictly speaking. So in third spot, episode 37 is called Seeing Opportunity in Times of Challenge and features a veteran senior leader based in the Netherlands. Her name is Simone Nordegraaf, and here is an excerpt of her episode. The only answer I can give you to that question is growth, right? There's growth there. Mm -hmm. If you're never challenged, you can't grow. Because on the other side of pain and, and, and challenges, that, that's where actually the possibility lies. Um, and I ha have heard that in the past, and I wasn't sure I believed it, um, because you do have to go through it and experience it to be able to let go of the dread. There's dread underneath that, right? You don't actually want to, um, at some point, just lose a position that you love or be challenged on a choice that you make that you totally want to make happen, but the company actually has other plans for you or something happens in your life and you lose somebody that you dearly love. All of those elements are gifts. I just can't mm -hmm. say it any other way. Mm -hmm. But when you would have asked me upfront to go through it, I would have, of course, politely declined. <laughs> um, but the real element of that is, okay, how do you stay open when you go through that? Mm -hmm. And as you guys know, at IPEC, we teach the seven levels of energy. And when I finished IPEC, I understood level one to four, right? So you fly, flight and fight. Everybody knows flight and fight. Rationalization and settling and service. I understood those. But when you go beyond those levels and you really think about what else is possible, you get to collaboration, openness, being able to work together to a higher goal than you are. And I needed to go through those, the depths of those experiences to be really able to understand that if you then stay open, the opportunities and the possibilities actually come in. Um, and I'll say one other thing uh, that I thought was really, really important about being challenged. It's the only way to develop courage. Mm -hmm. The time that my career went on an upward slope and only on an upward slope, and I actually thought it was supposed to be that way, and I was walking the line that I was taught to walk, I had never failed. 
And failure is essential because if you have actually never in your life lost anything, you're going to dread taking that next risk because in that next risk, there might be failure. And until you've failed, you actually don't know whether you're going to survive failure. You might know it in your head, but the rest of your system is not going to actually be able to keep up with that. That was a wildly powerful discussion that we had with Simon that day. It was, uh, took a little while to kind of bring together, um, but just an incredible moment with someone who has seen a whole lot of stuff in their career. Yeah, and I just love that perspective on failure. It, even now hearing it again, I feel like my mind's been blown again. Just yeah. understanding the, the actual purpose and the function of failure and how it can impact your life. And just a really great reminder for everything that we're dealing with right now. Yeah, totally. Lessons of life coming to you from the Career Builders podcast. Thank you so much, Simon. Cool. All right. So our top two episode is episode 19. And it is interviewing like a pro in any industry with Jackie Grant. How about for people who say that they don't like talking about themselves? Because I hear this a lot. Yeah, yeah, I hear that one too. You know, it's not easy. I mean, it's funny because a lot of the work that I was doing with SV Academy was coaching individuals on, on sales jobs, right? So in those types of interviews, you have to sell yourself. You have to be able to sell yourself. You have to be able to talk about yourself really kind of candidly and without any ego tied in intertwined into that right and a lot of people feel like well when i'm talking about myself and i'm selling myself i sound like i'm boasting but i always challenge them by saying how true is that really right because here you are in a situation and if you really are thinking with that win-win mentality then it's about showing your value it's about showing your worth the person interviewing you has a need Okay. They need help. They need to hire for the role. So you, it's, it's your responsibility going into that interview. If you want to secure, you know, to the next step to share your value, to sell yourself, to talk about what you've done, that's relevant for them to know. So you almost have to detach. And, you know, this is also tying back to that mindset piece that I had spoken to already, but you almost have to detach from this idea of like, um, I'm being judged to I'm sharing my value. I'm sharing what I've done. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a huge mindset shift right there for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of components in there around mindset. Yeah. I absolutely would think that your interview is an extension of your self-awareness of yourself as a candidate and what you feel about yourself as a candidate and in your mm -hmm. professional career. Right. So if you're really confident in your career and you're really self-aware as a candidate, um, you know, my clients will hear me talk about this a lot is like, get clear on what you're bringing, get clear on who you are as a candidate, because that's how you're going to speak openly and naturally in the interview. Right. So a huge piece of this is absolutely mindset cool. and people don't necessarily think about that when they're like they're prepping for an interview no you know it's funny that the prepping for an interview is key and i think that people get really fixated on almost trying to like foresee what questions they're going to get in that interview and then prep answers for the questions they think they might get 
that is, if anyone out there is using this strategy, that's not your most beneficial strategy. Because if you get a question that you didn't plan for, then you're almost like, whoa, like deer in the headlights, didn't see that coming, don't know how to answer that. So I think that the self-awareness piece on, you know, what am I bringing? How does what I have done align with the um, with the role that I'm applying for, um, what areas can I add value? Where have I had experience? If you do that work, you're going to be able to, to interview in a stronger place. So, so helpful for anyone who's thinking about interviewing or who's in the interviewing process looking for a job. And it is, you know, it's something that is simple, but not easy of, understanding your value and doing the self-awareness work ahead of the interview to be able to really shine when you get there. There are some huge points in that episode for sure. And so many people try and address the interview stage with all of these sort of outside in solutions as Jackie was kind of hinting at, right? If we change the way that we view ourselves, talk about ourselves, our self-awareness, our ability to put our egos aside, but then express value those are really the fundamental changes that go from you focusing on how do I do well in an interview to how do I just become a great interviewer? There's, there's a real big shift there. And I think she helps open that door for a lot of people who tuned into that episode. So that's awesome. Thank you, Jackie. Cool. And at the top of the chart for Drumroll. year one, yes, a very kind of unlikely top episode. We are so thankful for it. It's called Your Career's Mission, Vision, Objective, Strategy, and Tactics, episode 22, and it features Jonathan Stark. Here it is. I mean, I, I know I've experienced that from the standpoint of trying to build a business without a lot of those things in place until, you know, more recently, I've, I've figured a lot of these things out and, and I am seeing a difference in my own yeah. professional life. It's crazy. Right. Oh, look, we're moving forward instead yeah. of moving <laughs> in circles. Yeah. I was just going to say in a career... A, a career path, mm -hmm. it, it could be that you find, you know, you see to yourself, what's my vision for the future or like of the world? Yeah. Not me, but them, like everyone, the others, people that you care about. And you could find, say, a CEO or some company that has a vision that is like an endpoint that you agree with. That would be amazing if, sure. you know, if this company has a vision for the future that you agree to, and then you join them on that mission to achieve that vision. So that's mm -hmm. one way to look at it from a career standpoint is, you know, you're dissatisfied in your job. I've, I had, I've only had one corporate job in my whole life and it was extremely dissatisfying. <laughs> great friends there and all that, but the corporate mission was like not, it was one of those words salad, like we find the best in customer service and blah. And, you know, like vision by committee type of thing. But there are companies out there that have a real vision, like Charity Water, for example, or Tom's or, you know, they're, they're mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. So if you can find a company, you know, maybe you're a designer, you want to be an in-house designer and you want to work your way up the food chain uh, at a company that's doing work that matters. Look around and see, see who has a vision, who's projecting a mission, who, it, who it was, it, uh, sorry, a vision. See, I do it. I always, it's hard. The vision, they're projecting a vision of the future. And you're like, wow, that's really cool. I, I would perhaps uh, be interested in joining that mission by, you know, getting a job at this company that sees the world the way I see the world or sees the, the potential future world the way I wish the future would be. Mm -hmm. And then, 
you, then you come, then now you've got an objective. How do I get a job at that company? Yeah. What's my strategy? Well, I could do all sorts of things. I could, depending on what you do, you could create a portfolio that's going to be attractive to the art director there, or maybe you're a designer, I sorry, a developer, and you create an open source tool that would be perfect for that company because you know they use WordPress or they, you know, whatever, and they need this sort of donations thing. And you just create it, you send it to the CTO, you say, hey, I made this. I think it'd be perfect for you guys. Let's start a conversation. The, the CTO is like, that's amazing. Can we use that? Yeah, that'd be great. By the way, I'm looking for a job. So that if that's the strategy, you know, depending on what your strategy is and your objective is to work at this company that has a vision that you'd like to support, then the objective, I mean, the tactics start to become self-evident yeah. once you pick a strategy. That's the episode I put in front of people who are completely blocked, have no idea what they want to do in their life and their career. They just don't even know where to get started in their job search. And it's like, I, I need something to kind of get myself moving. That's the episode that I put in front of them most of the time. I love that snippet. And I love that episode because he really helps us to understand basically how to set goals from a broad scope to a very tactical task-based point of view and how to understand the differences between them. And just like you said, you know, if you are feeling stuck or you're not really sure which direction to go, this is a really great episode to help you to, to see a little bit more clearly how you can gain, gain some clarity on that. Yeah. Jonathan's like a, a yoga, a, a walking Yoda, breathing Yoda in our world of just these amazing principles that apply very well across a variety of different contexts. And we were very fortunate to have him a very useful episode for sure. Cool. Well, that was it, Lisa, year one in a little nutshell. Can you believe it? No, I can't believe it. It was great though. So many awesome snippets of things that we all need to know and such a great way of putting it all into one episode. Yeah. We'll see if we uh, last ourselves another year and can put this together for a year or two best of. But for now, I think we can call it a day, a week, and a year at that. So for the Career Builders Podcast, I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. And we hope you are well. And we hope you'll join us again for year two. Bye for now. <laughs>